Uh, we're going to see a short video, and then Dave King, our executive pastor, will be up to deliver the message. Um, large tuna. Have you seen my cell phone device? No. Someone is calling right now. There is a call. Hey, good morning. You know, some days just do not go well at the office. That was a fun clip with Andy Bernard searching for his phone. He kept hearing that, that music all throughout the morning and throughout the day. And it was, where's it coming from? And for those of you that are fans of the office, you know that the phone was actually up in the ceiling. And so every time it would play, Andy's anger would just continue to build. That's so much to the point that he goes and says, ah, and runs his fist through a, a wall. And everybody goes, Andy. He said, well, I just overreacted just a tad bit. You know, what was a harmless prank that started out that just continued to build into this inappropriate anger. You kind of wonder, was that harmless prank what really sparked his anger or had it been building? Well, we're not here this weekend to analyze Andy Bernard, but I do want us to consider our own reactions. When something's going on in our life, why do we react the way we do? For instance, how many of you just, you've had a good day the day before, a really good night, and then you wake up the next day just depressed for no good reason? Or perhaps you're on your way to church, maybe even this weekend, and you and your spouse, significant other, your children, start arguing about silly things, and you wonder, where did that come from? Or you wake up at 3 a.m. just anxious, very fearful, and you have no reason why. Have you ever considered the source? I mean, humans, were complex. We're affected by our diets, our exercise or lack of it, our sleep patterns. We're complex, but the sources that come against us in our lives, we kind of wonder, is it just something within us? Or is there something outside? Have we ever considered that what we experience may be coming from a dark spiritual force, that it may be coming from a fallen angel named Satan and his army of demons or fallen angels? We're in an eight-week series entitled Life in the Wild. If you're joining us, it's been a series where we've looked at hardships in life, how we respond to hardships. And we've asked the question of if two people came into relationship with Christ, why is it that one person will go through the hardships of life and spiritually become stronger while the other person just crumbles and fades away? And as we've been asking that question, we've been basing our biblical foundation on that God is good. And that even in spite of the hardships of life, that God wants us to have a meaningful life, a fulfilled life, a prosperous life. You know, the hardships will come. We live in a broken world where bad stuff happens. Hardships come because we make bad decisions based on beliefs that we've held on to for years. We react out of those beliefs, deeply embedded. 
This weekend, we're going to look at the reality that we have an enemy, a dark angel who opposes us, who wants to destroy the work of God in our lives. And so we want to talk this today about being at war and how we resist the enemy when he comes against us. But before we do that, let's pray together. Lord, thank you that you are here. Just thank you that you are strong and mighty and that we can rest in you. Just open our hearts. Show us who you are. And Holy Spirit, just show us who we are as we do battle. We just give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. But the reality is, is that we are a people at war. And who are we fighting against? Paul, a New Testament writer, answers that question. He says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Paul is speaking about the devil, Satan. He's speaking about this vast army of evil spirits and demons, which are all fallen angels. Now, as soon as I brought up this topic or mentioned the word devil or Satan, a lot of thoughts start racing in the room. Thoughts like, oh, the devil or Satan really is an old-fashioned concept, something based in mythology. Or the thought of, well, the devil really is pretty powerful, we should understand his work more. And that particular thought is based out of a fascination. A fascination just to know more about the mystery and darkness and the unexplainable. And what happens is that a fascination mixed with a curiosity breeds fear yet excitement. As many of you know, I grew up in southeastern Kentucky. And one summer night, we're sitting around as a family, and the doors are open and the windows are up. And yes, we did have screens in the windows. But we're sitting there, and it's quiet. And as families do, we begin telling old stories about our family. And the story came up about my dad, who was riding up a hollow one night by himself. And we lived near a major highway at the time, but prior to that highway, it was just a long hollow. And he's riding along on a horse, and it's really late at night, and he's riding along, and he feels these hands come around his his midsection. And he turns around and looks on the back of the horse, and there's no one there. And so someone is telling this story, and I'm a young boy, and as soon as they got to that point about he felt the hands go around and he looked around on this horse, there was a horse that went by on the main highway at that exact moment. Now, I'm a little boy, and I'm just terrified because this is just, oh, that's scary, but there was a hook in that that also fascinated me. And throughout the experiences of my life, I've had a number of experiences. As I look back now, those were demonic encounters. You know, those are a couple of the thoughts, but there's another thought that says talking about the devil scares me. Even if I'm a Christian and I know that God is all-powerful, just thinking about evil spirits or the devil, I'd just rather not talk about it. So let's just move on to another topic. Or there's also the thought, which I would really like to focus on this weekend, is to be more informed so that we can confidently push back the powers of darkness. So let's focus there. 
Did you know that Satan hates us and will fight against us? And he does that for a number of reasons. The first reason is, is that we are created in the image of God. We reflect the image of God. We are capable of loving. We are capable of having emotions. We are creative. We think. We produce things with our hands. Satan cannot create anything out of nothing. And so he looks at God and he looks at us and he's envious because he can't do that. He does, however, work to pervert or mess up anything that God does or that we do. Secondly, we were created to rule the earth. Now stay with me on this one. We were created to rule the earth. So God has given us the permission to oversee creation. In the Garden of Eden, he says, be fruitful and multiply. And what he means by that is that we are to produce other image bearers, children. We're to oversee the earth, exercise leadership over it. And that was an assignment that was only intended for humanity. Angels cannot do that. They don't have that privilege. But Satan wants that privilege. And he decided, I'm going after that privilege, and I'm going to do a direct assault against God. And in Genesis chapter 3, we read about how he does that assault. He uses us as humanity to go after God. And we willingly cooperate. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve chose to side with a fallen angel. An angel who had rebelled against God before creation. And in making that choice, Adam and Eve gave up their authority to rule and instead became slaves of the kingdom of darkness. New Testament writers tell us the whole world is under the control of the evil one. And he, the devil, is called the ruler of this world. So as we read the Old Testament, we see story after story of people making bad choices. And we see God chasing after these people and saying, come back, I want to restore you. I want to give you wholeness. I want to restore meaning to your life. And there are individuals that do respond. And in other places we read that people gone completely berserk in their relationships with each other and with creation. And there are other people that are saying, God, please come. Come and restore life. Come and bring peace. Come bring your leadership and rule spiritually and politically again. And the Old Testament talks a great deal about the day of the Lord, which in essence is that time when there is well-being throughout the entire world. Now you may be wondering at this point, where is God in the chaos? Has he lost all control? Is it possible for God to be overthrown? One Bible scholar wrote this response, and I really like it. Biblical writers do not mean that God has lost control over his creation so that he cannot put an evil to evil, into evil, anytime he desires. Instead, they are simply acknowledging that the world is a place where evil is real. For whatever reason, God has chosen for the time being 
to tolerate the presence of evil in the world he created to be good. God cannot and will not be overthrown. God is the ultimate ruler. And the strategy to crush Satan has been in God's mind all along. Because he's going to send Jesus to earth to fight Satan on his own turf. How many of you, you're kind of waking up, some of you are a little sleepy now, but how much, let me ask you this, how would you like to learn some theology today? Yeah, are you into that? Okay. Those that aren't, just pretend, go with this. Okay. Say kingdom of God with me. Kingdom of God. All right, you're theologians. Because that's the phrase we want to look at. It's a helpful understanding to, to focus on the kingdom of God because, especially in the Gospels, over 126 times the focus on the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, which is a synonymous term, appears. And the kingdom of God is the central focus of Jesus in all of his teaching, in all of his practice, in all of his activity. Jesus is focused on the kingdom of God. And when we think of kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, we are thinking in terms of a verb. I mean, we hear the phrase kingdom of God. Well, that's a noun, so that's a place. And, but the kingdom of God is actually a verb because it refers to the ruling and reigning of God in our lives. It's action. But what do I mean by action? Well, help, to help us understand the concept of what Jesus was bringing in with the kingdom of God... Would you pretend with me for a moment? I think this will help with the impact. Pretend with me that you live in the first century. You've got your sandals on. Now, you can choose whatever wardrobe you want today. So I'm, that's up to you. So you can have like a robe or whatever. But get in your mind that you're living in the first century. And year after year, you've heard story after story about royalty who is going to come and bring spiritual and political renewal Year after year, you hear the story of one who is going to come and restore wholeness in every aspect of life. And so you have this idea after hearing these stories of how this royal person will act. And as you're imagining and hearing these stories, you even have an image of what royalty will look like. Now, I thought we would have some fun because I've tried to imagine what some of your imagining would be about what royalty would look like. So I brought along some pictures today. So royalty may look like this. Some of you, Queen, okay, Queen Elizabeth, or this. Ooh, yeah, Aragorn. Or this. Can you believe our staff thinks I look like this guy? I don't know where that comes from. But pictures of royalty, of how royalty will look, how royalty will act. And you've grown up with this mindset, this this image. And picture yourself gathered in a room just like this, and in walks a guy named Jesus who comes to the front and takes these huge scrolls of paper and unwinds, unrolls them and unwinds them and says, okay, I'm going to read from Isaiah. Cool, we like Isaiah. And Jesus starts to read these words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. 
Jesus rolls up the scroll and he says, I have an important message for you. The kingdom of God is now. The kingdom of God is here in front of you. The full frontal assault against Satan and the kingdom of darkness is on now. For I am here to attack the kingdom of darkness. And it's not made up of the Romans. It's not made up of other human enemies, but it's made up against that angel who has tormented us for years. And I am here. And I'm reaching into the future and I'm bringing into the present healing and wholeness of mind, spirit, and body. I'm reaching into the future and I'm bringing into the present the possibility of good human relationships. I'm reaching into the future and I'm bringing into the present the reality of a meaningful life, that you can have the authority and the purpose restored in your life that you were originally created for. And then Jesus gets busy ruling. He heals the sick. He casts out demons. He forgives sins. He goes and proclaims good news that you can be free from pain and guilt and shame. Come follow me. He enjoys good relationships with friends. All actions. All actions that push back the kingdom of darkness. And then he died on a cross. And after three days, he was resurrected. And on that cross, and after rising again, Jesus dealt the death blow to Satan's authority and power on earth. That's good news. That's good news. And Jesus looks at you and me and says, I won. The war's over. I won. Now go take back the territory that Satan has had in people's lives. Go take it back. It's what you were made for. You were made to have authority and to act on my behalf. That was the original plan. So go take it back. Satan is defeated, but he continues to fight. He continues to resist his defeat. And so he's going to continue to resist, but how do we overcome the resistance? One of the things that helps is to realize that we live between the ages. We live between the ages. Oscar Coleman, an early 20th century theologian, came up with this term that we, as Christians, we live between two ages. There's the present age, which is today, the now. And the age to come, which is the end of time when the reign of God will be experienced and enjoyed in his complete fullness. And he says that we live between these two ages, living in one and longing for the other. But as Christians, we have the authority to walk in the kingdom and bring in blessings and goodness and healing into the present, right in the middle of the hard circumstances. See, as carriers of the kingdom of God, when we pray for the sick, when we encounter evil spirits and tell them to get out of here, when we love our families and our friends and our neighbors in healthy ways, we are reaching into the future and bringing the best into this life, even in the middle of the hardship. You know, Satan will fight against 
our breakthroughs. Satan will fight against the breakthroughs of the kingdom into our present life because he knows he's a defeated enemy. And he will use whatever means he can. He will inflict damage along the way, at least with whatever he can get away with. You know, Oscar Coleman, again, illustrates this truth. But how many of you are actually World War II history fans or read, watch the History Channel? Well, Oscar Coleman points out that in World War II, there was a D-Day and a V-Day. D-Day occurred in 1944 when the Allied forces invaded Normandy. And they stormed the beaches of Normandy. And at that significant battle, Nazi Germany was in essence crushed. They were defeated. But the war continued on for another year until 1945 when V-Day occurred, which was Victory Day. That on Victory Day in 1945, Nazi Germany surrendered finally. But the time between D-Day and V-Day, a whole year, thousands and thousands of casualties occurred. The resistance continued. And so when we think of our own lives and that the hardship that we face, we wonder, well, if the kingdom of God is breaking in now and, and people are getting healed now, and, but it doesn't happen always, what's with that? And my answer to that is because bad stuff is happening because the end hasn't come yet, not in its fullness. And realizing that we live between these two ages has really helped me over the past few years as I face some of my own illnesses and illnesses in my family. When I spoke last, I spoke about my daughter's battle with cancer two years ago. And throughout that time of walking through that experience with my family, being in between these two ages, so to speak, really helped. Because it gave me the confidence that even though I may be praying for her and not seeing immediate results, but coming somewhere else and praying for someone else and seeing them healed, while I totally didn't understand that, I knew in the confidence the healing is coming. So I continued to walk in it praying for this person here and, and seeing them touch significantly with the goodness of God, seeing the healing and wholeness and good relationships is here right now. But it's also coming in the future. As carriers of the kingdom, we keep loving our neighbors. We keep loving our neighbors who may look different than us, who may act differently than us. And we keep loving and praying for peace and reconciliation because it's coming. And we are going to face the resistance. We're going to face misunderstandings. We're going to face the tension. But we keep praying and we keep pushing in and we keep loving because the kingdom is here now. Peace and reconciliation is here now. And yet it's still coming. But we keep praying for more now. Just more now. Another way that we can overcome resistance is to reject lies and change our thought processes. Last week, our young adults pastor, Luke, spoke about renewing our mind or changing our thought processes. And if you did not hear that message, pick up a CD or listen to the podcast. He did a great job of confronting this whole area of lies and renewing our, our minds. 
And if you're around Vineyard Northwest for a while, you're going to hear a lot of messages about changing our thinking or renewing our minds. And we talk a lot about that subject because it's such an important part of pushing back the darkness. You see, our thought processes, our beliefs, our assumptions about life are deeply embedded. Many from many years from our parents and grandparents and generations back. And so those ingrown, ingrained ways of thinking will make us vulnerable to attacks from the enemy. You know, Satan is not original, but he uses what works. And he observes our behavior. He doesn't read our minds, but he observes our behavior. And so if we take an action out of a thought process, or we hang on to a thought process or a way of looking at life, is that he will use that because he's used it successfully over and over for years. And the strategy works until we start renewing our minds, until we start changing our thought processes. When we renew our minds, we take away the vulnerability of the attack. Did you know you're dangerous? You're dangerous. You're dangerous. This whole section here is dangerous. You are dangerous. You are dangerous. You and I are dangerous because we're in Christ. And every time Satan looks at you and me, he is reminded that he is a conquered enemy. He's afraid. He looks at us and he sees that we are forgiven and without condemnation. Although he'll say, oh, you're this. But we are free from that condemnation. We have a divine purpose and the authority to walk in the plans that God has given us. We carry the rule and reign of God in us and with us. But like I said, Satan wants us to focus on our self-doubt and our self-condemnation. He wants us to believe the lies about ourselves instead of the truth of who we are. The lies of I'm hopeless. Or I have nothing to offer. Or I'm not a gifted person. Or I'm ugly. Or I'm stuck in this situation in my life and it's never going to change. Or I have this addiction and I'm never going to break free. They're all lies. See, learning who we are in Christ, remembering who we are in Christ, empowers us to reject the lies that scream too loudly. And even in a pain-filled, broken world, we can move through with purpose. We can move through even in tough circumstances and not just settle for mediocrity. And it's so easy to get caught up in the mediocrity of getting up in the morning, yawning, and say, oh, another day of work. Get through that day of work. Okay. Classes again. Did the class. Did the work. Now what? God intends more for us. He has built us with purpose. You see, God says that we are more than conquerors. That the mundane things of life, it's just part of the reality of life, 
that Satan will use against us because our mindsets are so negative and so dark in that at times? Is that pushing against that darkness is saying, no, wait, I have purpose. Even in the hardships of life, of sickness, of things happening in our lives that make no sense, we are more than conquerors. And I love what Paul, the, the New Testament writer, wrote about this whole concept, this whole truth of us being more than conquerors. He writes, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's good news. That's good news. And we're going to face resistance. Satan and his army of fallen angels are going to push against us. But we don't have to be afraid of him. We can push back. We carry the reign of God in us and with us. And we don't have to live defeated lives. Yes, life is wild. Life is berserk at times. But life is so good. Life is so meaningful. As we hang on to the truth of who God is, as we hang on to the truth of who we are in Christ. See, we face the battles, but we face them victoriously because Jesus is victorious. Let's pray together. Lord, we just welcome the truth that in you and in Christ, we are more than conquerors. Lord, I pray that wherever people were at today in their thinking and their life situations, the Holy Spirit, that you would just visit them, visit us. Just thank you for your overwhelming great love. Thank you for just acting on our behalf. And thank you for sending us. We love you today. And we just worship you. Amen.